Hey, I'm Dr. Tim Warren, and I'm happy to be here with Dr. Steve Taubman, and we're the Pouch Doctors. And we want to really kind of uh, help you to jump to a new way of thinking about pain that leads you in a very positive direction. We're not your doctors. We know your doctors are awesome and you love them. And, and we want you to get the big ideas so you can ask more intelligent questions to your own doctors. So today we're gonna to talk about, do you need pain? And this is a really important question because most of us, again, assume that we need to be in pain if we've got a condition that uh, usually has pain associated with it. Do you mind if I talk about my intestines, Steve? Well, you know, it's usually not done in polite company, but I think we could probably give you, make an exception for you, Ted. I suffer from chronic diverticulitis. For those of you that don't know what diverticulitis is, it does lead to a lot of lower abdominal pain. And we did our first session last week, Dr. Steve and I, and I told Dr. Steve on, I think it was the next day that, oh man, right after the show, this huge attack and I was up all night and I had to go on antibiotics, which I really dislike doing. I only do that in the case of emergency, obviously. But uh, Dr. Steve gave me some great content and he, he, um, he led me through a little exercise and he had me put my, my hand on my stomach and ask myself, is the pain that I was having, and again, it's very severe at times, and kind of think, is there any, is there a bad, is there a reason that I'm having this pain? And, it, and initially nothing came to me. And then I kept meditating on this. And then I realized that what kept popping into my head was that it is related to fear. You know, Dr. Steve and I have been working on this course for a while. I had, I was, I was stressed about it a little bit and boom, that's when it happened. So I believe it's related to fear and boom, it hits me where a weak spot is. And my lower intestine is certainly uh, kind of a weak spot. And the other thing that came with my, uh, like meditating about this was the fact that I do also suffer from perfectionist syndrome, which is very common for people with chronic pain. But for me, perfectionism is one of them. And you, you know, you have to do things exactly right or, or don't do it. And that's stifling and that creates more stress. And sometimes I feel that, that my chronic pain is kind of a distraction from these really uncomfortable emotions of fear and also the personality trait of perfectionism. So that was yeah. a very valuable exercise for me. And Dr. Steve led me through that. And uh, I really just really meditated it several times. Actually, I meditated on that and um, I wrote it down in my journal and uh, I highly recommend that everybody writes down in their journal because there's a lot of research that says that getting things out of your head and onto a piece of paper, even if you ball it up and throw it away, super part of the healing process for, for chronic pain. Yeah, you know, guys, uh, there there's so much in that story. You know, first of all, uh, just the very notion of putting your hand over an area of your body and asking that part of your body to give you information and wisdom seems a little weird, right? It seems perhaps a little woo or new agey, but the reality is that we have an enormous amount of body knowing, and when we tune in on that body knowing, often we'll get an answer about what's really going on. Why are we really feeling what we're feeling? And we get to ask ourselves, is this necessary? Is this pain that I'm feeling right now needed? So that's one of the lessons or takeaways from this. The other are the really interesting things that you got from this, Tim, which included a realization that fear has plays a big part in pain. And for those of you out there who are in chronic pain, uh, that's an area you really want to explore is where, where does fear live with you? Where does it live inside of you? And what's your compassion for your own pain? look like? Are you rejecting it, pushing it away, pretending it's not there? Because if you are and you're pushing it down, it will often come out as pain. And secondly, the idea of perfectionism. 
Tim and I both are aware because we work with a lot of people with uh, chronic pain conditions like fibromyalgia, for example, uh, where the personality trait that we see again and again is perfectionism or, or, or workaholism, this tendency to have to keep in action. It's not okay to rest. It's not okay to kick back. And sometimes what our bodies do in those situations is to throw up a red flag by causing us to feel pain because it's the only way that it'll get our attention. Exactly. It, it sounds crazy, but it's uh, it's totally true. And I've seen that with, with so many of my coaching clients. And, you know, fear means we don't feel safe, right? Mm -hmm. So safety is a huge component for people having progressive and recurrent chronic pain. And I don't know about you, Tim, but I've I've uh, had patients where just doing that kind of uh, emotional release work, perhaps there's trapped energy blockages in somebody's ability to experience something like that, a feeling of safety, is something that that we can often lose very very early in life if we weren't you know raised in a nurturing way, or something traumatic happened to us when we were very young, then we are going through life feeling a slight degree of unsafety trepidation and fear and that builds up in our bodies that sometimes just by helping helping somebody at the deep subconscious level to experience safety maybe for the first time in their lives can instantaneously make a lifelong condition of severe pain go away and by the way i'm going to ask you something dr tim have you noticed that the severity of pain doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the correctability of that pain it has nothing to do with it. And I just know that, and as you do from being a chiropractor, mm -hmm. is that, you know, for example, you can have a splinter in your finger and a son of a gun, but it's not a serious problem. It's, it's right. a, you know, you're going to forget about it tomorrow. Right. But in 30% heart attacks, the first symptom is death and they didn't even have any pain, which is so weird. So the, the, the severity of pain is totally out of whack from the actual true severity of the issue. You can have a life-threatening problem and have zero pain, and you can have a really, you know, minuscule issue and have a tremendous pain. So it's such a weird thing, and it's all brain interpretation. So it's all just realizing that it's our brain that's 100% responsible for our pain and the interpretation of pain, but it can vary among people all over the place. So this is a really interesting distinction for a lot of people out there because, again, we've said this before and we'll say it again and again and again. When we say the pain is in your brain, we're not saying it's all in your head and you're making it up. What we're saying is that the nerve signals that are going from the periphery, meaning from the out from your body in toward your brain, are, are, be, are moving up to your brain and then there's got to be a form of interpretation. So it gets to, to, to your thalamus and your hypothalamus, and then it gets to particular parts of your, of your uh, cerebral cortex where that pain is prioritized and different people right. have a different pain threshold. Why is that, Tim? Right. Why do people have different pain thresholds? You know, it's, it's based on prior neuroplasticity or training that you've gone into. Now, people that would have certain kinds of trauma in their life, maybe emotional trauma, physical trauma, PTSD, they have a different level of, 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 of heightened awareness to pain too. Um, and you know, one of the, the most interesting examples of the oddities of chronic pain is phantom limb syndrome. Ah. Now, this is pain in a part of the body that's not even there anymore. For example, in an amputation kind of uh, example, they, every amputee has pain that they, that their brain interprets, but the part may not even be attached anymore. How unbelievable is that? And that's an example of these neural pathways 
that are still wired uh, for pain, even though the part is not there anymore, because that's all in the brain. And I think it's so important what you said, Dr. Steve, before, that the, your pain is real and it's not your fault. It's the wiring of the brain. So it's, it's if you have continuously wired over years in there, this chronic pain and this awareness of chronic pain, then it's gonna take longer to get out of it than if it was a brand new problem. So it's the length of time, the severity of stress and trauma. Um, th those are all components of how, of how some people have a heightened awareness to it and some don't. Absolutely. Now, another interesting thing to consider and to talk a little bit about is the reality that there's kind of a malleable or flexible perception of pain, depending on what you're doing. Uh, how many of you out there have, uh, you know, been busy, occupied with something that you love to do? Maybe you're playing with your grandkids or maybe you're uh, knitting a scarf or maybe you're uh, on stage performing or whatever it happens to be in those moments that you're completely absorbed in an activity. Seldom do you actually experience pain. Now, that's got to be a really important piece of information for you if you were to look at it through what we're calling the new thinking about old pain. What does it mean to recognize that even though you've got this condition, the condition did not go away during the time you were doing the thing you were enjoying, and yet during that time, the experience of pain was completely gone. If I can turn off my pain switch when I'm absorbed in an activity, maybe I could turn my pain switch off completely and entirely and then I don't need the pain. How unbelievable. And, and you know what, it's just like a basic human thing. We wanna have fun. People wanna have fun. Uh, so fun, having fun, doing the things that you like that bring you joy and, and happiness actually decrease our chronic pain. Right. So with me playing with grandchildren this weekend was so awesome because I, wouldn't, I wasn't overly focused on my own tummy pain. Uh, I was out and out watering my garden with a with a two year old, having a complete ball, and I wasn't focused on my chronic pain, and I wouldn't even I didn't even notice it at the time. So it it's just a reminder for all of us: whatever brings you joy, also helps you to decrease pain. And this is a problem for people who've been in chronic pain for a period of time and they've gotten to that sort of hopeless, debilitated state of consciousness where they feel like, but I can't do anything anymore. And the reality is that you can, if you recognize the relationship to your pain, and if you recognize that, that, that you're not actually doing any more damage to yourself, that you're better off doing something that brings you pleasure and joy than to just sit around and focus on the pain itself. So, so true. And it, it, and it's a hard, that is a really hard thing. And you described that really well, Steve, but it's so hard for people. And again, because we've built up fear that we're gonna get worse uh, if we do things and the opposite is true. We have to gradually and, and systematically increase the use of our body. Our bodies were made to move and never more so than when we're in chronic pain. The worst thing in the world is to sit in the couch and turn the t and flip channels on the TV all day. That is going to be the the spiral down, and you're going to have more chronic pain. But that I know what you're saying in your mind. You're saying, "Oh my God, if I go for you know a walk, a two mile walk, I'm going to get worse." You don't start with a two mile walk. You start with some action. You you walk around your living room 20 times. I don't know, but we've got to increase the motion.
the other piece of that really is is purpose we all need a sense of purpose we you know something that we're hoping to accomplish and sometimes we set our purpose by simply setting a series of goals to gradually become more flexible to do more to be you know to just become more part of the world so if you're if you've become kind of a shut-in and you'd like to really let go of pain now we're going to give you tons and tons of strategies over the course of the next 30 days and some of them will resonate with you more than others but during this yep. entire period of time set yourself up for winning by having some outcome that you seek that gives you a sense of purpose that gives you a direction and then you move towards that even with baby steps one little example that i talk with patients about uh, quite a bit or clients about is discomfort versus pain i used to ride bicycles a lot with a friend a local uh, neighbor of mine and he was in a little bit better shape than me and i can remember one time we were, we were riding our bikes up this long gradual hill my legs were screaming my chest was heaving I was really, you know, uh, I was kind of dropping behind him. And then suddenly I said to myself, you know what, am I really in pain or am I just in discomfort? And then instantly what popped into my mind was, you're totally in discomfort. This is not pain, this is just discomfort. So I buckled down and almost instantly, and I didn't even expect this, I felt fantastic, I felt great. And I pulled right back up my bike right behind his and I uh, had it and climbed and pushed all the way up to the top of the, of the hill and felt great. And I never forgot that. That was about 15 years ago. If it's just discomfort, then keep going. If it's pain, truly, then sometimes I have to modulate what I do and don't do. But a lot of times it's just discomfort, even if it's just even if it's strong discomfort. Most of us think that our language is just just descriptive. If I if I say this is killing me, I think that I'm just describing the degree of pain that I'm in, but what I'm actually doing is I'm further predicting the future. See, every time I say something out loud or even in my own head and I accept that, then in essence what I'm doing is I'm, I'm setting the neurological stage for future activities. So really start reframing how you look at pain. Start looking at that at those those things that Tim described as discomfort, as annoyance, as opposed to this thing is killing me. And see if just by changing your language, it might change the frame you have around your pain and the degree and severity of the pain you're experiencing. Pain is malleable. I'd like to ask you to practice what we talked about earlier is to ask your body if it needs the pain that you're in right now, put your hand right where the pain is. Do I need this pain right now? Often your body is trying to tell you something and when you touch base with it and tune into it, you may get an answer like, okay, well, as long as you know I'm here, as long as you're willing to take the necessary action, I'll shut off and that pain might go away. So always take that first moment. Do I need this pain right now? See what happens. And until we meet again, remember pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. <laughs>